Let's all go to Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter. We looked last week at this and began a new series, and I want us to go further. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 15. The Lord said this, God is speaking, and he says, See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and And evil, let's keep reading the next few verses, in that I command you this day to love the Lord your God and walk in his ways, keep his commandments and statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God shall bless you in the land whether you go to possess it. Was that his will that they possess the land, that they enjoy the land, that they prosper in it, that they live long in it? Was that his will? Uh, Verse 17 But if your heart turn away so that you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, keep reading, I denounce to you this day that you shall surely perish. Was it his will for him to perish? No, what was his will? Go into the land, prosper, live long, do well. But that's if you hear what I say, he said. If you receive my commandments, if you do what I tell you. But if you don't, then you won't prolong your days. You'll perish. Verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. Who's going to choose? The people. And God said, I'm setting before you a choice. You can do this, and it'll go good with you, and I'll be able to bless you and prosper you and cause you to live a long time, or you can do this, and you're going to be cut short, and it's going to be hard, and you're not going to live long, you're going to perish. Did he give them a choice? And you'll see this kind of thing over and over in the Word of God, that he's saying, you choose. You life, death, blessing, cursing. Choose. Has God given man a choice? He has. And this is very, very big. A lot of folks have come up with things that actually contradict this in their versions of their beliefs. And I, there are some phrases and beliefs that are commonly held by millions of church-going folk. And a lot of them are partial truth with some other things added and in and changed. And we have to watch about that. And you got to watch about taking any truth that's a truth and trying to make it the only truth. All the Word agrees. Do you believe that? The Bible talks about rightly dividing the Word of truth. It all has to agree. There are some phrases I want to mention to you, and we talked about it last week, we'll review a little bit and go further, that you hear commonly, and I want us to examine them, and see what we believe about it, and then examine what we believe in light of the Word. One of the phrases is, God is in control. God is in control. You hear it a lot. And people are are adamant about, and they'll get 
uh, tiffy with you. <laughs> if they think you're implying anything different from that. And so I'd like to ask the question, okay, of what? God's in control of what? And a lot of folks would quickly and adamantly say, everything. Everything and everybody. Is he? Is he? God's in control. I had a fellow come challenge me one time after I was speaking along some of these lines. And he said, I want you to know, preacher, God's almighty. And if he wants you to do something, then by golly, you're going to do it. <laughs> really? Really? Let's just start with you. And yesterday. <laughs> Are we going to say that everything you said and did yesterday was the preordained, perfect will of God? Every word you said was God's choice. God chose every word you said. Everything you ate yesterday. God chose it. Everywhere you went, everything you bought, everything you didn't do, God was in complete control of everything you said and did all day long, all night long. It was his perfect foreordained plan and will. Are you going to say that? Or is it possible that some things happened one way because you chose that way and some things happen another way because you chose that way. We grew up on a out in the country and had several acres of land and there were other farms joined to ours and so we had livestock and, and we had horses. Not thoroughbreds but mixed horses. And my brother who's uh, three years younger than me he, he really liked to ride. But he was, uh, he didn't like his horses fully broke. <laughs> he liked them a bit wild. And uh, he would, uh, I mean, he'd just grab a handful of mane and, and jump on, no saddle. And he liked them, you know, with their nostrils flaring. And, and, the <laughs> and so he kept trying to get me to ride. And I said, no thanks, no. And I, I saw how they buck and jump with him. And, but he had this cream-colored horse, Palomino-looking horse, and real pretty thing. And he said, now, he said, you ought to ride her. He said, she's, she's all right. And he'd pet her, and he said, look, you know, man, she's great. <laughs> and he kept on me for weeks. And finally, I said, okay, okay I'm going to ride that horse. And so, <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> so I, we got to saddle, and I, I'm not going to ride bareback like him. I got a bridle and a bit, and I got a saddle and everything. We got all cinched up, ready to go. So I'm riding, and man, everything's fine. Yeah, she's just, she's doing good. And we rode around the house a little bit, and rode off down in the little country trail, and so I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up a little speed here, you know. So I, I clicked and, you know, nudged her a little bit in the side. And boy, she starts running. And then she just starts running faster and faster and faster and faster. And man, she is just swallowing up the ground. And, and I'm holding on for dear life. And I'm going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm pulling against the bit. And that thing ran away with me. 
I mean, I was jerking the bit. I was hollering. I was doing everything. And nothing phased her, man. Nothing. I think she ran faster the harder I pulled. It did not. Nothing moved her. She didn't care if that bit was hurting her mouth. She's, man, she's just blazing, ripping. And, man, we went across the, our property and across some other folks' property, across the road, jumped ditches and everything else. And, man, we're just blasting. And I'm barely staying on. And then she just made a beeline for the woods. And, boy, these limbs are hitting me and slapping me and scratching me. And finally, she went under a big limb, and she just scraped her back. And, man, peeled me off. I mean, off I come, slammed on the ground. And immediately, she just stops and looks at me and throws her head up. (laughs) And I got a revelation laying on the ground right there. Motorcycles. Motorcycles. Have a switch, you can turn them off. <laughs> and that was my thing from then on. <laughs> Why? Because anything with a mind of its own can do what it wants. No matter what you want it to do. Here's my question. Do you have a mind of your own? Do you have to do what God wants you to do? You do not. You can choose something completely opposite to his will and plan for your life. Will that affect what happens in your life? It will. Why? Because all your friends and family know you got a mind (laughs) of your own. Don't you? God created you like that. He gave us that freedom. He gave us that. Go with me to Isaiah, please. Isaiah 65 and 12. Number of things going on here, but I want you to look at this truth in the latter part of the verse. He said, when I called, you did not answer. God's talking here again. When I spoke, you did not hear, but did evil before my eyes and did choose that wherein I delighted not. Is it his will for us to listen to him or not listen to him? To respond to him or to ignore him? To choose what pleases him or choose what displeases him? This is not confusing, is it? Does he force us to make the right choice? Does he force us to do what pleases him? No, he said, I called, you wouldn't answer me. I spoke, but you wouldn't listen to it. You wouldn't hear me. You did evil in my eyes, and you did choose that in which I delighted not. The NIV says, you chose what displeases me. God's word says, you chose what I don't like. I don't want to do that. How about you? I don't want the Lord looking at me in my life and saying, don't choose that. Don't choose that. Why'd you choose that? Right? No. The living Bible says, choosing to do what you know I despise. Can a person, can a man or a woman choose to do something that they know God despises? You can. Why? 
Because like that horse, you got a mind of your own. Look in the 66th chapter, just the next chapter here, 66 and 3. 66, 3. He said, uh, in the latter part again, there's a number of things going on here, but he said, they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations. They've chosen some things among some of the things they had chosen. They chose to worship the Baals. And part of some of the worship they had gotten into was burning babies on the altar. And God said about that at one point, he said, that never came into my mind, that kind of thing. Of course, whose babies are they? They're his. And he says, you're delighting in Things that I find abominable, that I despise, and you like it. Verse 4, I will choose their delusions and bring their fears upon them. Why? Because of what they've chosen. Does what we choose affect what God is able to do for us, does with us, how he deals with us? Can his dealings with us change? Depend on what we choose. Now this is big friends. Is it true or not. That God's dealings with us. Can change. Depending on what we choose. There's some folks that don't believe that. But it's in the Bible plainly. We're going to go to more than one scripture right now. He said. uh, Why? Because when I called. Again he says the same thing. We just got through reading. When I called. None did answer. When I spoke, they did not hear. Now, friend, this is serious. The Almighty, the creator of heavens and earth, is calling. And folks not listening. To the creator. Right? How many think when the creator calls? You ought to hold all the other calls. Right? Do you believe when the master speaks? It don't make any difference what you got planned or what you got going on. Everything else should be set aside, paused, right? And say, yes, Lord, what is it? Speak. Your servant hears. I'm here. Right? And they chose that in which I delighted not. They chose something I did not delight in. Go with me to the book of Genesis, please. The book of Genesis, the sixth chapter. Verse five. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is right before the great flood that came in Noah's time. Verse 6, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. How are we to understand that? Let me bring this verse up. You may wonder why I did, but I'll bring it up and then you'll see why. Stay where you are, but in Numbers 23, 19, you may remember this. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, 
neither the son of man that he should repent. Right? Has he said it? Shall he not do it? Has he spoken? Shall he not make it good? So that verse says the Lord's not a man that he should repent. And we just got through reading here. It said that God repented. That's why some people take so. See, the the Bible contradicts itself. I mean, you can't. Just because you don't understand something doesn't make it wrong. Right? When you find something in the Word and you go, well, that doesn't make sense. Straighten yourself up. It makes perfect sense. You just don't have enough sense yet to know it. (laughs) Anybody that's been walking with the Lord very long is finding this out. I know there's been so many things in the Word that I read years ago and decades ago, and I just scratch my head and I think, wow. And you read this and think, well, man, that looks like it just directly contradicts that. And it might be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years later. And you go, oh, I think for the first uh, century in heaven, that's what we're going to be doing. (laughs) Oh, that's why. Oh, no wonder. Oh, well, that's what he said. Oh, (laughs) oh, but down here, we see through a glass darkly, don't we? And there's just a whole lot of stuff hadn't clicked for us yet because just lack of understanding. When the Lord calls us his little children, it's not a figure of speech. We are little bitty babies to him. Right? And there are some questions a three-year-old can ask you that you just can't answer them. You could tell them. You could talk to them for two hours and they wouldn't know any more when you got through than when you started. Right? Because they just don't have the knowledge and understanding to relate to what you're saying. But you tell them the same thing when they're 16 and they could get it. I don't know if I agree with him or not. Forget about agreeing with me. It's about this book. It's about this book. Rest your eyes on the pages, on the verse. What do the words act? Not what you thought they meant. Not what somebody said they meant. What do they actually say? Right? It said God, Genesis 6 was grieved that he had made man. It repented the Lord. Now, this two verses that we're talking about right now, there's great revelation here if we get understanding. God's not a man that he should lie. He's not neither the son of man that he should repent. You could take that and say, well, God doesn't repent. He never changes. And then you read verses like this to where it says he repents that he had made man on the earth. The Bible said concerning Saul. You remember him? He said it repents me that I made Saul king. 1 Samuel 15, 11. Go ahead and put it up so we can glance at it. 1 Samuel 15. It repents me that I have set up Saul to be king. And he's turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. Now you see this connection. It repented the Lord and it grieved the man of God. You see that connection. And if your heart's right and you're walking with the Lord close, a lot of times something will grieve you because it grieves him. It bothers him. And you're picking that up. And he cried to the Lord all that night. What does it mean the Lord repents? When we hear that word, we think, well, we think about repenting from sin. 
Of course, that that doesn't apply to God. But what does it mean? The word literally means to sigh. In the Hebrew, it means to sigh. To breathe out heavily. To sigh. You know what he's talking about, don't you? He saw the wickedness that's on the earth and God went, God went and it grieved him at his heart. Now if as some would try to tell us that nothing happens except it is the perfect will of God then all these people being evil on the planet was always his plan to start with. And why would he be sighing over it? And he's about to pronounce judgment And the flood to come. And if God's controlling everybody and everything no matter what they want. Then it was foreordained for these people to be evil before they were born. And so how could God be just in being grieved with them. And pronouncing punishment over something that he caused them to do. That they had no choice but to do. This is not right. This is not what the word says. You'll find if you study the scriptures. That God has a soul. God has a soul. What does that mean? Let me read some scriptures to you. I know some of these things will need some extra scriptures. So you'll know I'm not making this up. You'll know what the word says. Don't try to turn to these. Let me just read some of them to you. Just sit back, relax, and listen. Jeremiah 32 and 41, God says, I will rejoice. Well, you'll remember this from the New Testament. Verse 40, he said, I'll make an everlasting covenant with them. And I won't turn away from them to do them good. I'll put my fear in their hearts. They'll not depart from me. I'll rejoice over them to do them good. I'll plant them in this land with my whole heart and my whole soul. God's talking. He refers to his soul. What does that mean? God has what we might call, I don't know if it's the best word for it, we might call them feelings. Listen. The Bible says that God gets weary. Jeremiah 15, 6, he says, you have forsaken me, says the Lord. You've gone backward. I'm weary with repenting. God says, I'm weary with repenting. Now, when you've worn on the Lord, (laughs) that's not a good thing, right? (laughs) When the God looks at you and goes, (sighs) He said it grieved him at his heart. That word means to carve or to cut or to hurt. Can God hurt? The scripture says yes. He can be agitated. He can be troubled. He can be disquieted. Ezekiel says you have fretted me in all these things. The judges said his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. Ezekiel 6, 9, he said, I am broken with their whorish heart which has departed from me. God said, I'm broken. Isaiah 63, 
9. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. God has a soul. God laughs. God sings. God gets angry. Folks hear this and think, well, you're just trying to make God into a man. Actually, he made us like him. We are made in his likeness and image. We already know a lot about him and his makeup. Because we're made in his exact likeness and image minus the sin and junk. Right? Which we added ourselves. Which was not an improvement on what he did. God has a soul. He looked over the planet at that time before the flood and sighed and said, it hurts me to see what they've done. And he said, so I'm I'm just going to wipe this thing out. But Noah (laughs) found favor. If it hadn't been for Noah and his family, I guess that would have been the end of it. No. God is touched. Look in Psalm 81. Let's read this. To me, it's a good picture into these things. And if you read this with eyes open, you start seeing things in the Word that you didn't see before. Because a lot of people have left the impression and idea. People that don't know God have taught what he is like. (laughs) Did y'all hear that? People have taught who God is and what God is like that don't know God. People that are not even born again have written books and did papers and studies and and taught classes in seminary about God is sovereign. God is this and God is that and don't even half know what the word means. You can't find that word in the Bible. But they picture God is sitting on the throne, old, old, and pretty cranky, (laughs) long white beard, and he's sitting there, and he just got this this look on his face, and, and really, he's above emotion. He is beyond feelings, and he's not up or down or or sad or glad or any of that. He's just. But it ain't so. I said it's not so. The Bible paints a very different picture. Doesn't it? First of all he's not old. <laughs> he's not old. He's life itself. He does not age. He's amazing. He is so awesome. No human being can look at his face. And live. You're talking about being blown away? <laughs> if you looked at God in your body, your earth days are over. You just, just one look. And God is amazing. He's, he, he's fire. He's life. He's, he's power. And he gets happy. And he sings. 
I am so looking forward to the day when we're in heaven later on and we're doing something and the angels go, shh, shh, the Father's about to sing. And we go, oh, stand back. (laughs) Brace yourself. How many think the Most High could hit some notes? (laughs) You think you heard some notes. You think you heard some tones and sounds. Hallelujah. God has a soul. And he's touched and moved with what we do and don't do. Now he's not a basket case. (laughs) And he's not shocked all the time. Oh no, you didn't do that. No, (laughs) what did you do? (laughs) No, 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 no. He does know the end from the beginning. Right? And he has all wisdom. How do you reconcile these? That God knows these kind of things. That God has this kind of power. And he makes statements about his plan being fulfilled. And his counsel being done. And yet, you see where people completely ignore him and don't do what he tells them to do. And is he in charge of all their atrocities and all their evil stuff? How do you reconcile these two things? It's a matter of understanding the word. How many believe it's all in this book? It's all, it's all here. It's just a matter of having your eyes open to understand. In Psalm 81, verse 10, listen to this. Just reach up and take off your religious ears. Just take them off and throw them away. <laughs> And take off your religious traditional spectacles. Just take them off. Throw them away. And let's endeavor to read this and hear this in the light of what we just heard about God's having a soul. Listen to him. He said, I'm the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt. He's telling his people. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Does he want to fill you up? He wants to feel it. Was something good, you think? Absolute. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I can almost see the Father God like uh, doing the airplane with a little kid. You know, he's going, open up, open up. (laughs) Are there a lot of saints doing this? Huh? Oh, man, they're everywhere. Lips clenched shut, teeth clenched shut. And God's saying, mm, open up. Oh, let me, let me give you something. It's good. Oh, baby, you'll like it. It is so good. Open, open. Well, if he's the almighty, why don't he just make you open up? In his power and wisdom, he has chosen not to. It's the devil who is the manipulator and the forcer. And the coercer. God is not. He's not going to make you do it. If he's going to make anybody do anything. He'd make folks get saved. He'd make people get born again. So they wouldn't go to hell. If he's going to make anybody do anything. If he doesn't make you do that. Then he's not going to make you do these lesser things. I'm the Lord that brought you out of Egypt. Open your mouth wide. I'll fill it. Listen verse 11. But. My people would not hearken to my voice. 
And Israel would none of me. They didn't want anything to do with me. This is the creator who made the stars. And he said, you won't listen to me. You ain't got time for me. You, you don't want me in your life. Would none of me. Verse 12. So I gave them up to their own heart's lust. What does that mean? Let them do what they wanted. It was their choice. They didn't want me. So do what you want. And they walked in what? In the plan of God? No. In their own counsels. Can you choose to listen to God or ignore him? Can you choose to obey him or rebel against him? Can you choose to do your own counsel, your own will and plan or his plan? How many think it's dumb to go your own way? Well, if God wants me to do different, he's God, I guess he'll make me. No, he won't. He will not. He will let you do just what you want to do. Did you hear me? And you can make your own plan. You can do your own thing all your life long. And in your dying breath, you can sing, I did it my way. (laughs) And you will be so sorry that you did. Verse 13. Oh, that my people had hearkened to me. Who's talking here, saints? God. Can you hear his heart? And can you hear his soul? Does this matter to him? He's not indifferent about this. He's not cold off in the distance, untouched. Oh, that my people had hearkened to me. And in Israel had walked in my ways. Keep reading. What if they'd listened to me? I should soon have subdued their enemies. Is God in control of everything? He's not controlling everybody's choice. But... If you will choose his ways and listen to him, he is able to control things. Come on, are you listening? In your life, get involved in your affairs. If you'll listen to me, if you'll do what I told you to do, I am going to spank your enemies. I am going to see that they are subdued soon. Does that sound good to anybody? But what if you got no time for him? And you got your own thing and you got your own plan and your own way, then he is not controlling everything that happens. You're doing your own thing. How many want him controlling some things in your life? You want him involved in your affairs. He said, I'm standing at the door knocking. You need to let me in. Well, he's the Almighty. He don't stand at the door knocking. He said he does. He just blows the door open. He's the all. No, no. That's some people's concept and some people's doctrine, but it's never been the Bible. He's not going to blow the door in. If you don't open it, if you don't invite him in, if you don't listen to him and invite him into your life, it'll just be you doing your own thing. He won't be controlling things in your life. I would soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. Does this sound good to you, saints? The Bible said, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I mean, they want to start something and just can't seem to get around to it. (laughs) Didn't say they were your friends. They're still your enemies, but they just can't seem to find time to get around to you. (laughs) 
(laughs) Verse 15. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him. But their time should have endured forever. You'd have enjoyed longevity in your situation and in your life. And Verse 16. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat. See, I told you it was good. See, this started off by saying, open your mouth. Open your mouth. Open open your mouth. Do you you hear the theme here? Open your mouth. Open the door. Open your life. Let me in. He's the Almighty. He don't have to ask anybody, can he come in? He said he did. Now, you're going to believe some unbelieving theologian. Are you going to believe what the Bible says? He said he did. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat. And with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied you. He said, if you will quit ignoring me, if you will quit running against me, if you will just start listening to me, and you'll do what I'm telling you. Oh, oh, that you would do what I'm telling you to do. If you will, I'm going to get in your business. If you will, I'm going to deal with your enemies. And I'm going to give you the finest. And I'm going to give you the best. And I'm going to fill you up. And I'm going to satisfy you. And I'm going to bless you. And you're going to lift up your hands and say, God, is so good to me. And you're going to be a witness. And you're going to be a light. But he's not going to make you. He's not. And he's not going to choose for you. He said, you choose. Go to Exodus, please. Exodus 32. How are we to understand when it says the Lord repented about something and then another verse says he doesn't repent? Remember the story of Jonah? How many remember Jonah? Let me see it. God told Jonah, you go to Nineveh. And you tell them that this is going to happen. They're going to be destroyed. And he didn't do it. He ran. (laughs) But after his various experiences. (laughs) How many know running from God is a bad idea? And when you run from the good God, you're going to run into some bad stuff. Running away from your good God. And finally, he said, okay, all right, all right, I'm going. And he did. And as soon as he went through the city and preached the message from the king all the way down, man, they repented in sackcloth and ashes. And God said, okay, we're not going to destroy him. And Jonah said, I knew it. I I knew it. That's what I said when I was there. That God is merciful. And if they repent, then it won't happen. And here I am like a false prophet. I've gone gone ever told everybody that you was destroying the place. And now you're not going to do it. Made him so mad. He said, I want to die. I wish you'd just kill me right now. (laughs) Have you read the story? Did God change? He said, it's going to be destroyed. And then he says, it's not going to be destroyed. Did he change? They changed. Oh, friends, are you listening to me? His dealings with them changed 
Because they changed. He didn't change. He always wanted them blessed. He never wanted them destroyed. He didn't change. But when they changed. His dealings with them changed. Is this true or not friends? This is not one isolated instance. If you've read your Bible. You see this over. That's what it means when it says God repented. He said this is going to happen. And then it didn't happen. Why? Because they repented. They changed. And he said, if you do this, this is going to happen. If you don't do this, if God is in complete control of everything and people have no choice, there can be no if. But the Bible's full of ifs. Exodus, notice this. This is a real eye opener here. Exodus 32. God is speaking to Moses and to the people. And he's, uh, he's put out with them. That's Arkansas talk. <laughs> Mississippi talk. Exodus 32.8. He said they have turned aside quickly. Out of the way which I commanded them. They made a molten calf. Moses you know was, was up in the mountain. And he'd already, one of the first things he told them. Is you don't make any graven image. This has been just. Just a few days ago. Right? And they all stood out there and go, oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you know that's right. <laughs> and he's gone just a few weeks. And, they, and people say, what about Moses? Folks said, oh, we don't know what happened to him, man. I mean, you know how Moses is. Wow, he, he may never come back. And, and so they said, we need somebody to lead us out of here. And so they pulled off their jewelry. And Aaron helped them out, didn't he? And Said when he's explaining it later, he said, we put all this in the fire and out came this calf. <laughs> oh, yeah. This just happened. That sounds like a lot of people's stories today, doesn't it? Don't know how it happened. We just were there and next thing you know, boom, golden calf. <laughs> uh-uh. But he said, they made him a molten calf and they've worshipped it. And sacrifice there too. And they said these are your gods O Israel. Which I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. It hasn't been but a few weeks. Until God himself came down on the mountain in fire. And spoke with an audible voice. And they all heard it. And just a few weeks later. They got him a new God. Golden calf God. How many of that's a poor God. That's a gold calf God. First church of the gold calf. That's lousy. And then they said, Israel, see this calf here? It's golden. It don't move, can't do anything. He's the one brought you out of Egypt. Huh? Tell you, God is unhappy with them. He is really unhappy with them. Verse 9. The Lord said, Moses, I've seen this people. And it is a stiff-necked people. Verse 10, now let me alone. <laughs> Turn me loose. Don't stay, Get out of my way. That my wrath may wax hot against them. That I may consume them. And I will make of you a great nation. Verse 11, and Moses said, Lord, why does your wrath wax hot against your people? That you brought forth out of the land of Egypt. <laughs> You brought them out here, Lord. And 
with your great power and your mighty hand. Keep reading verse 12. Why should the Egyptians say, God brought them out here to kill them, to consume them. He said, Lord, turn from your fierce wrath and, and do what? Repent of this evil against your people. And God said, how dare you talk to me like that? I'm the sovereign almighty. This is the plan. Always was. You're trying to talk me into changing something here? Little human bug? You talk to the almighty like this? How in the world could you think you could talk to me, the almighty, and suggest that I take a different course of action than what I'm talking about. That's much of the theological church world holds that position. But it doesn't hold water when compared with the scriptures. It's not there. This is what's there. Folks don't understand it. It troubles them. It bothers them. But how many ought to think we ought to just accept what he said, whether we understand it or not. This is how he is. This is how it really is. Verse 13, he said, remember Abraham. You remember, you like, you like Abraham. Remember Abraham? <laughs> God, <laughs> just, just don't look at them right now. Think about Abraham <laughs> and Isaac. He wasn't bad. Israel. And, and you know, you said, Lord, I will multiply your seed and the stars of heaven and all the land that I've spoken I'm going to give your seed and they will inherit it forever. You've spoken some really good things over these people, Lord. Verse 14. This is intercessions, what this is. And the Lord what? And the Lord what? The Lord what? What does the word repent literally mean? The Lord said, ah. <laughs> All right. Okay. No wiping off the map today. <laughs> right? <laughs> and Moses said, whew. That was a close one, man. Yeah, but so you're, you're just trying to make God human-like. You're trying to bring him down on our level and make him, I did not write this. This was here long time before you and I, I ever came on the planet. This is how it is, where folks understand it or not. God changes some things based on what people do. Now I want you to back up and look at this phrase. I, I saw something about this just two years ago that really has changed my thinking since then. Back up in the same passage to where he, he told him this. Verse 10. He said, leave me alone. That my wrath may wax hot against them. That I may consume them. And I will make of you. A great nation. Notice what he didn't say. I'm going to wipe them out. And my original plan. I guess could never happen. Because they'll all be gone. But we'll just have to figure something. Oh no. 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 His plan. Is going to be done. The question is. Will you be included? Because he has more than one way of doing it. He's got a whole nation. He, there were 600 and something thousand soldiers in this bunch. 
plus the women and the children and the older people, there's at least a million, two million people. And he's talking about the whole bunch being wiped out. And he said, and I will take you, Moses, and I will do what I want to do through you. Someone said from two million to one man, he started with one man with Abraham. He started with one man with Adam. So when we're talking about these things, you shouldn't get the idea that God is struggling and wringing his hands and going, well, I don't know if I'll ever get this thing done or not. Oh, he's going to get it done. It's going to happen. His will is going to be fulfilled. His counsel is going to be established. The question is, who's going to be included? And we need to understand this. He needs you. And he needs me. But we are not irreplaceable. (laughs) People say, well, God's God. He don't need anybody. Yes, he does. He needs you to obey him. He needs me to obey him. He needs somebody to obey him. But if you say, I'm not going to do it. Well, that doesn't mean his will's not going to get done. Because he can use somebody else. He can raise up somebody else. Can he? Can you see that in this phrase right here? Because what I mentioned a couple of years ago, I was involved in some things with some other ministries. And... I won't go into the details, but it was obvious. God did some supernatural things. And everybody said, it's God. And I thought, man, this is wonderful to be, in, be a part of. And I was ready to spend and be spent. I was ready to go the distance to help be a part of this thing. And then the folks involved said, well, no, no, we want to do this. and We want to do that. And I thought, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, what what happened here? And, and folks were taking it into their own hands and they're going to do something different. And finally the Lord dealt with me, back off. Back off, step away. And I thought, now it troubled me for weeks. I thought, well now Lord, this was miraculous. How could that be your will? And yet it's not going to be like that. And he brought me to that verse. He said, I told them, I told Moses, I'll make of you. A great nation. I'll do it through you. What's he saying? I can do it another way. If they don't want to be used, I'll use somebody else. Do you remember Jesus when he came to Jerusalem and the Bible said he wept? He looked over the city and he said, if you had known what was available to you, what belongs to you, what you could have had. Does this sound like Psalm 81? Oh, that you'd listen to me. He said, but now it's not going to happen. You're not going to see it. This is going to happen. Does that mean God's plan is thwarted? No, no. no. His plan is going to be fulfilled. Because he's God. And he knows how. Doesn't he? But he can do things more than one way. And though he needs us, me nor you, are irreplaceable. If we go crazy and decide we're going to do something goofy... And we do it. He's merciful. Sometimes he'll put up with some of the most outlandish stuff for decades. Decades. But it can come to a point where he says, I got to get this thing done. And they're not on board. So what? He'll turn over here and use somebody else. He'll raise up another ministry. He'll raise up another church. He'll raise up somebody else. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody getting any of my blessing or being used what I'm supposed to be used in. And the only way to make sure that doesn't happen is for me to be God's yes man. Right? When he says it, I say yes. I say yes. Well, somebody say, I say yes. I say yes. He said, Keith, and I'm supposed to go, yeah, here, Lord, yes, yes, speak, your servant hears. Go to Branson. Yes, sir. <laughs> then, then later on you can find out what's in Branson. <laughs> what's going on? And maybe 10 years later you begin to find out why. Faith doesn't have to know all that stuff. Go here, go there, help this one, do this one, give that, work here, work here. You need to be God's yes man. He said on one occasion, he said, if these held their peace, the rocks would cry out. How many don't want any rock crying out for instead of you praising him? I don't want any rock crying out in my place. I, that means I got to do my praising him. Right? And I don't need anybody taking my place and getting my job and doing what God had planned for me because I was too hard-headed, too stubborn, wouldn't listen for too long. Nope. Somebody stand up and say, I'm God's yes man. <laughs> say it out loud again. I'm God's yes man. Lord, whatever you say, I want to do it your way. Just close your eyes, if you would, and focus on him. Forget about everybody else around you. Just focus on him. Just you and him. Close your eyes, please. Don't look around for a minute. Focus on him. Pray this prayer after me, if you mean it in your heart. Father God, I do believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe you have a good plan for me. Forgive me for any time and place I didn't listen to you. I didn't go your way. I didn't do it your way. That's not my heart. It's not my desire. I ask you to work in me to will and to do of all your good pleasure as a choice by faith, I say, not my will, but your will be done. By faith, I say, I delight to do your will, O God, and I choose the things that please you. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.